only a goblin would recognize that this is the true sword of Gryffindor. Hi, and welcome to the Three Broom Chicks. I'm Jenny. I'm Marianne. And I'm Elizabeth. And I'm laying on my back because <laughs> it hurts. And this is how we're recording. But apparently, if I'm laying down, my voice is no bueno. So Marianne told me to put my legs in the air to trick my body into thinking <laughs> that I'm in the correct position. And here I am. You're engaging I wish. <laughs> I Okay, I'm going to take an exclusive picture. And I will decide whether or not I will post no, it. No, uh, there's a lot of my thigh showing. Hold on. <laughs> I don't want this to be leaked on the internet. It won't be leaked on the internet. This picture is for me and for oh. me only. <laughs> Maybe our patrons. <laughs> but no! <that's> our patrons. <laughs> you have this to pay gonna be, I'm going to get called into a meeting at work and they're going to be like, ma'am. You're showing too much thigh in this photo. It's gone viral. You're fired. Mind you, the thigh is like half the thigh. Like, not hardly anything. I promise. This is actually pretty comfortable if I do say so myself. But it's great because to me, you look like one of those like dead cockroaches, like all limbs up in the air. That was rude. We're just getting comfortable for this super fun episode we've got planned. <laughs> oh, so Actually, excited. Really so excited about this episode. I feel like it's going to be one of the better ones. Wow. Yeah, now, okay, like, now you just set the bar really high. It, yeah, but if you don't like it, too bad. It's an opinion. We're excited. Opinion piece. Anyways. What welcome. is this episode about, Jenny? So we are continuing our four-part series in what we have now discovered the name of the series. Characters of the Lost Story Arc. I'm so excited about it. Characters? You mean creatures? Oh, no! <laughs> I wrote here. <laughs> Everything's backwards because I'm upside down. I wrote characters in the Google Doc, so. Oops. Oops. Gotta change that. All right. Welcome to the four-part series, Creatures of the Lost Story Arc. Nice job. Anyways, uh, we made it a four-part series, even though there's only three classifications, because house elves are, like, super important. Are you just nodding your head, or are you telling me to stop talking? I was just nodding, but I did a weird hand movement that I just realized. (laughs) You were like... I was like, I'm sorry, is my accent coming out too much? So Anyways. sorry, listeners, but like if you guys don't know or if we haven't mentioned it before in the show. So in order for us to like talk smoothly and not like talk nonstop like us Cubans tend to do, we have certain hand signals that we do to each other. And one of them is kind of like a weird stop sign. And for some reason, I just did it. It was like a glitch of my body. It just, a glitch it just happened. My- You're literally rejecting me. Anyways. <laughs> Being part of this podcast is very complicated for a multitude of reasons, but mostly because of our hand gestures. (laughs) Anyways, so like I mentioned, it's a four-part series, even though there's three classifications that we'll be talking about, beasts, beings, and spirits. Uh, But we made it a four-part series because we felt like the house elves just deserved a whole episode. They deserve justice. Yes. So today we're going to be diving into magical beings, which is actually super complicated. There's going to be a lot of anger during this episode. 
<laughs> and there's probably going to be a lot of sadness because Marianne is here. Yep. Uh, and we'll find out like what she has planned for you, but get ready to cry. A little sad but bit. Before we actually start the episode, I just wanted to kind of give us a guideline for what we're going to be talking about. But basically, like we said, the Ministry of Magic has like three classifications of creatures, which is mm-hmm. totally bizarre to me. And I'm already upset. But the first one is beings. And we're going to be talking about giants, goblins, velas, vampires. Well, we're going to be talking about some of those. But the classification includes giants, goblins, velas, vampires, hags, house elves, humans, and werewolves. Only while in their human form, which we will get to hmm. later. Mm. Um, already there's problematic things being discussed here, but I'm just going to put a pin in it. Pin in it. This is possibly broom chick history with the earliest pin ever in an episode. Literally the the earliest pin. Like oh. Hydrangea hasn't even gotten here yet. No, <laughs> no. She's she's staring at me. She's waiting. She's just <laughs> just waiting. <laughs> Call my name. <laughs> I'm here. She's like, call on me. I have the I'm answer. ready. She's a diva. Hydrange is a diva sometimes. She's just like, I'm ready. This, this is she for is. me. And I guess she is ready. So we can I jump right into our outpost. Outpost. All right. So Hydrangea, we have some great mail today. So thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Yeah. Our- First question is from Jojo B. Jojo B. Love her. Shout out. She's a patron. She's super hey. cool. Didn't she? She wasn't she the one that recommended, you know, our series. Wait for the Patreon plug. We're about to talk <laughs> major props about Jojo. We're gonna get there. Okay. All right. But anyways, Jojo, we love you. And her question is. Are there vampire wizards? Pin number two. Yes. I guess it's not really a pin anymore. Yeah, because we could just talk about it now. I mean, yeah. we got... Yeah. All right, yeah, why not? Unpinning pin number two. Wow, the fastest <laughs> unpin. records. <laughs> <laughs> we are really... Okay, today is just such a vibe, you guys. <laughs> We're having fun right. today. We are. So are there vampire wizards? So, I mean, Luna did at some point think <laughs> that Rufus Grimager was a vampire. Yes, I mean, for sure. Is she wrong? We still don't know. But, anyway. uh, but anyways, yes, there are vampire wizards. I mean, they are not really discussed outwardly. And we'll talk about, it, I guess, more um, when we get to that section. Um, exactly like vampires in the wizarding world but we do know of one half vampire half wizard his name is and get ready for this folks lorkin death literally it's lorkin death lorkin death like his last name is spelled d apostrophe e-a-t-h uh he was born in 1964 uh which is great great year you know the beatles but anyways my um, mom was born that year. No way. Wow. Honestly. Love you, What mom. a year to be alive. Oh, my God. Um, she could be a vampire. She could. Maybe she's Lorcan and we don't know of it. Um, but she, uh, Lorcan is part vampire, part wizard. Um, they were, or he was, I guess, I, I'm not assuming gender, but I think he's a he, um, according to the interwebs. Uh, he's a singer that was widely fancied by witches. 
Um, he spent 19 weeks, fun fact, at number one with his song Next to You. <laughs> wow. Next. 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 Like N-E-C-K-S. Like, like your neck. Guys. Like your neck. Next to I you. I am a fan of this dude. Amazing. Yes. Um, we actually see, I, I, I didn't put this later in the episode, but we do see there's a pattern with vampires and being yeah. musicians in the wizarding world, which is really fun and cool. Um, but uh, we're assuming that Lorcan did attend Hogwarts, but if he did attend Hogwarts, because it is technically hashtag alleged, um, he may have been in the same year as Glenda Chittock um, during the Marauders fifth year. Who is Glenda? Glenda, she, I think, later on becomes the uh, Muggle Studies professor, if I'm not mistaken. We might want to be doing a level of uh, live Googling for that. Uh, hashtag alleged. Uh, but she's very big um, in the Marauders time period. Like, I think she was also um, in some way or fashion helping the Order of the Phoenix the first time around in the first second, first Wizarding War. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so it's presumed that he was in the same year as Glenda Chittock. Um, I love vampires. She so has I a wish... chocolate frog card. She Ooh. does have a chocolate. So does Lorcan de Eth. <laughs> Lorcan she was Death. also born Death. in 1964, which whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess we knew that. But yeah. Anyways, um, she is female. She has silver hair and pale skin. Okay. He was the host of Witching Hour on the Wizarding Wireless Network. Ooh. Okay. There we go. There we yeah. go. Mm -hmm. That's it. She's cool. Yeah. So she's probably. She was probably. No, you're fine. She's probably one of the radio presenters during the Second Wizarding War. That's probably what she was like contributing both wars. Oh, yeah. Her name means good or pure or clean. And it just reminds me of Glinda the Good Witch. Yeah. yeah. Look Belinda. at the etymology. I love it. All right. So next outpost. Thank you for the etymology, Jenny. Yeah, uh, our next welcome. outpost is from another patron, Andrin. Hey. Andrin, oh, how we wish we lived in your country right now. <laughs> because, you know, they have COVID under control. We do not. So, you know. <laughs> If you Damn. accept us, we'll go. I have to laugh because if not, I would cry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like that that laughter that hides the tears. Anyways, Andrin sent in a question. Uh, what's your opinion on the portrayal of the magical beings in the movies? Trash. <laughs> so it's funny because this is how uh, Josephine, Jojo Bean, came up with this idea for this yeah. series is because magical beings have totally been shunned in the movies and let's not even get to the beasts and all the other creatures like they're just thrown out and i get it like they're expensive cgi like i understand I there can't care. be a lot of them but man if we could make lord of the rings movies we could put winky in goblet of fire Oh, I never thought of it that way. Ooh, if we could have literally the Lord of the Rings like saga, then we could give Firenze a classroom and like a body. It's fine. I would honestly, I I'm, might be controversial for saying this, but I think even it's very difficult. Like in the movie aspect, yeah, like 
you can't fit everything into movies. I'm not even going to touch upon that. But I think even in like the book aspect, like how can you do the movies justice when like some of these beings, these magical beings aren't even getting, they're not even like getting their own rights in their own worlds and in yeah. book form. Yeah, so I are. think like, I think they were kind of like given the short end of the stick from the get go. They were crapped so. on from the beginning. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and that's man. and that's strictly speaking, like in the time period of the books, because um, and there might be information that we talk about in the episode. If not, there is information out there about, you know, the changes that are made after the books, like the seven Harry Potter books. Um, but from uh, most of our information is from those that time period. So it's just very difficult to see any goodness happening when it comes to their rights mm -hmm. like being in, yeah. like and in, not infringed anymore or whatever but it's just yeah it sucks yeah okay um our next outpost is from beanbug 55 Woo! and Ooh. their question is why do you think mountain trolls are so dumb <laughs> oh i mean because I don't know. J.K. Rowling told us so. <laughs> and honestly, now I'm starting to doubt it. I'm, I don't know. Maybe it's just like, I, I it, we so, don't know much about them. So it could just be a species thing. Like, maybe they're so like I'm, big and because they're bigger and like have like all this brawn, their brain is smaller. I don't know. That's that was the anatomy of a troll. <laughs> I was actually gonna go into that. I'm like, what if like biologically their brain and their neuron connections aren't proportionate to like yeah. their body size? Yeah, I like don't I don't like this. I do not like it, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham because a lot of people do this with animals. Let's get some real life examples. <laughs> So let's think, okay, like when I say ostrich, well, a lot of you probably don't think this, but usually the first thing that you're going to think is like, ostrich aren't dumb. Well, mm. guess what? Ostrich aren't they are not dumb. I was going to say, aren't they like cunning? Like, aren't they like evil? I mean, first, I don't like to make sweeping generalizations <laughs> in any format, <laughs> but commonly i think birds mostly err on the side of evil like it's just in my personal opinion and my personal experience birds are yes. slytherins and <laughs> can they slice you open yes in one shot yes are they dangerous <laughs> yeah but i've also met some of the nicest ostrich in my life here in texas but anyways the point is is like a lot of people are like they're so dumb but, like, I train them. They're actually super smart. Everything is, like, it's just, like, a spectrum, you guys. We just but, can't mm -hmm. say things like this. So you're not saying that there's no animals out there that are proven to not be, like, smart? Like, didn't you tell me once that pandas are dumb? Okay. Pandas are dumb, like, just as, like, a species in general because I hate them. Because, <laughs> but not because they're unintelligent. It's because I just don't like them. Like, they are slow-moving animals that decided to eat only one species of bamboo literally surrounded in a forest of all kinds of bamboo. And they're like, no, I'm just going to eat one type and that's it. They are also so lazy that they will not mate with each other. And that is why they are dying out because they're too lazy to go somewhere. So it just makes me upset. 
because that's dumb. Like the situation is dumb, but I'm sure they're not dumb. Maybe trolls, like- maybe trolls are lazy too. Maybe trolls are picky with what they eat or what they do. And they get upset when, you know, boys are trying to stick up wands up their noses, uh, but they don't know how to express their feelings. Listen, I'm just saying <laughs> that intelligence like the way that you are rating it on a scale like haven't you ever seen that like old school cartoon like a newspaper cartoon or whatever that it's like they have like a chimp and like a zebra and like a tortoise or something and they're like okay we're gonna see which of you is smartest but then like the oh test yeah is, like, to climb up the tree or something like okay well if that's how you're judging intelligence and the zebra gonna be dumb because he's not gonna climb up the tree but if your test is like how fast you can run, zebra gonna win and zebra gonna be smart. But it just depends on how you're defining intelligence. That's true. So that ex- just exactly saying, like if somebody was like all humans are intelligent if they can make a bomb sandwich, I'm gonna win and I'm gonna be the smartest because I'm gonna make the most bomb sandwich. It's just proven fact. But maybe <laughs> you don't make good sandwiches. And maybe that doesn't mean that you're not smart. It just means that you can't make a good sandwich and that's okay. So then the moral of the story is we don't think mountain trolls are dumb. They're just probably smart in something else. They're just, you know, there's other ways to look at things, you know? Exactly. I like this. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of people think giraffe are dumb and they're not dumb. No. Just say, just say, just say. <laughs> All right, our next question is from Ariana. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Jenny's singing in my ears. I'm sorry. No, I love it. Do oh. it more. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Okay, so uh, Ariana's question is Do you think any of the magical beings have any say in lawmaking ministry business? If they are the topic being discussed by the ministry, would wizards, witches ever let beings of lower magical status have a say in the outcome of official business? Well, I have a lot to say about this. (laughs) That's a big pin. (laughs) That's a huge pin, a huge, huge pin. But let me just preface this pin by saying in the real world, people that are considered lesser or stupider or not as high on the IQ, AKA the beautiful, wonderful people I work with on the autism spectrum are hardly ever included in regulations, in in promotions or autism awareness and changes in their education and even in their own lives, they are never ever consulted. And I hear you autistics, I hear you. And I will always consult with you. Anyways, I've said my piece. <laughs> She's like, get educated, y'all. She's like, get educated. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on into the next segment. It's called We've Gone Mental. And originally I started this because funny things were happening to us during quarantine. And I was like, everyone's gone mental. Um, so then JK just like was like, I love this segment so, so, so much <laughs> that she just went like completely mental. So... It's officially time to end it because I just feel like nothing is ever going to get worse than her. So she could just have it. 
I would also like to give it to the United States of America because oh just, my god, like they can't get it under control either. So especially they can the our home state of Florida, which is the new epicenter of coronavirus. <laughs> I cannot. Yeah, so like those, those, the little three combinations there, they could just have the segment. The segment is now done. Today was the last day. Um, in place of it, though, I'm going to start a new segment, and it's it's going to be a segment where I just say hi to Ariana, hello, because I do it every episode. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have a place to put it because you know she doesn't always make it into all posts, so it's just going to be like hi Ari, and then that's it. And then I'm going to also introduce a segment called I Swear Jenny is Not a Queen. <laughs> Listen. And also, them. we love all of our fans. Oh, yeah. I just have so to much. say that. Yeah. Like, like, please. The reason why we love Ari so much is because she's always engaging with us on social media. Because and like, she literally was like the first person that like ever engaged with us on social media, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Absolutely. Been there from the beginning. So we're just going to like, I'm just going to put this energy out there. Like, please, <laughs> we want to love every single one of you. So please, we do. Please. Okay. Listen, my love is not exclusive. It's not at all. Everybody. I'm just saying that I've now made it a tradition that I say hello. Yes. No, no, no. But I just got to say, like, I want to have more Ariana's on the social yes. media. Well, yeah. People talk to us. I've We have been loving our Twitter feed lately. There have been yes. so many great interactions with you guys. So many great interactions with other Harry Potter podcasts. Shout yes. out to our besties, House of Black. Yes. 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 So it's just, it's a great time. Talk to us. We're interesting, I think. So hopefully we try. I know I'm interesting, (laughs) but whatever. I also want to shout out the Fox and the Foxhound because they've been super nice too. And they're also Oh, yeah. Woo. All right. So moving on into. Excuse me. I'm not done with my segment. I have to say goodbye, Ariana. Jeez. Oh, my Christ. All right. Moving on. Man. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) Why are you so angry? So needy. You're needy. (laughs) I'm going to move on. (laughs) We are a mess. To Uh, our Patreon plug. I'm singing a lot today. It's because Julie has been making me sing all day. (laughs) But uh, like we've mentioned before, Josephine, our patron, she was the idea and the inspiration behind this whole series. Major shout out to her. And she got to do this because she is our highest tiered patron. She paid a lot of money to do this. So congrats to her. And if you want the chance to submit ideas, get our show notes, get our episodes a day early, get an exclusive secondary podcast, get some exclusive gear and also sometimes just to just chat on it chat with us you know and we an extra fun stuff. and yeah I'll, who knows what else we're gonna put out there in the patreon world so head on over to patreon <laughs> and check out over and check out the three broom chicks and become our patron that wow i don't know when we got the soundboard or how we paid for it but i love it <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're, we've made it to the point where we're actually going to start talking about this topic amazing congratulations if you've made it this far and if you fast forwarded to get here welcome so um 
basically, before we like really start, I'm just going to say that I'm super annoyed about the Ministry of Magic. I mean, just like in general as a person, but today a little bit extra. Because <laughs> like the whole like segregating magical creatures into groups, like I'm just not down for the idea. But I also find it super problematic that technically humans like muggles, squibs and wizards are listed as being magical beings, but they're offered extremely different rights than every other magical being for some reason. And you can see that like, I guess maybe I get into it later, but like they have the department for the regulation and control of magical creatures (laughs) to deal with other beings. But then they have like the department of magical law enforcement just to deal with like peeps. Mm-hmm. So it just makes me mad, but whatever. So I thought that it would be a good idea to kind of like frame the history of how this all started so that we get some background because I'm a Ravenclaw and that's important. So <laughs> we're going to take it back to the 14th century, ladies and gents. So, oh, and non-binary royalty. So there's a dude named Burdock Muldoon, which I mean, already like clearly his parents didn't like him. What he was the chief of the I'm sorry, oh I'm sorry if anybody that listens to us happens to be named Burdock, but whatever. <laughs> so he was the chief of the Wizards Council. And so you might be asking yourself, Jenny, what's the Wizards Council? I'm here to tell you. So this is the earlier form of the Ministry of Magic. Um, the actual ministry wasn't founded until like 1707 when the council was disbanded. Mm-hmm. And it disbanded because the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy was enacted in 1692. Mm-hmm. And uh, slowly but surely, they noticed that they were going to need like a way more sophisticated government to deal with wizards being in hiding. So mm, that gave way to the Ministry of Magic as we know it today. So basically, this dude, I'm assuming, attempted to define beings as any member of the magical community that walked on two legs. (laughs) And so this was problematic. Um, Basically, he tried to hold a summit. And so this kind of goes back to Ari's outpost a little bit. He tried to hold this um, summit to discuss new magical laws and ask all beings to, like, drop in. And so apparently the goblins rounded up every magical creature that they could find on two legs and brought them to this meeting. And the summit just kind of like descended into chaos because of it. Trolls were in there and they were like destroying the chamber where they were meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, They were just like hitting stuff with their clubs and just being general um, disrespectful (laughs) beings. Not just trolls, but like I'll I'll say an exact quote because it gets a little funny at some point. But um, it says, when Muldoon called the first meeting of all beings to discuss new magical laws, the summit was disrupted by Dericals, Auguries, Foolpers, Pixies, and Fairies who could not understand what was going on. Trolls who proceeded to smash apart the meeting chamber with their clubs and hags who glided around the place in search of children to eat. (laughs) Muldoon, as chief of the council, stood up to open the meeting, but slipped on poor luck dung and ran cursing from the hall. What? (laughs) Yeah. So on us. So after that, he just, like, never really tried again to include the beings outside of humankind within the wizard's council, which is... Uh, problematic. Yes, but it kind of goes back. Like it seems like he had the intention of actually including opinion, like opinions mm-hmm. from other beings, but obviously it didn't happen. 
So um, fast forward. Now, remember, we were in the 14th century. Now we're fast forwarding to the 17th century. You might be like, whoa, Jenny, that's a long time. But that was <laughs> literally the successor of this Burdock guy is named Alfreda Clagg. Damn, wizards live for a long time. Long time. And so she was like the next person that was in charge. Well, I guess now it's the Ministry for Magic because we're in the 17th. No, 17th century is still Wizard Council. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's still Wizard Council. So um, she also just created a mess, but she did attempt to redefine beings as those that could speak the human tongue, which Mm. I'm honestly like. Okay, we're trying to classify stuff, and you guys are coming up with, like, the least amount of words in a definition, like, ever. But anyways. (laughs) um, So once again, the meeting goes poorly, and the trolls (laughs) did destroy the chamber again. Again. The ghosts, the ghosts were invited, and they were upset because they were putting, like, an emphasis on living rights, like, living beings' rights. Um, there was also some animals there named Jarvis, which are kind of like enlarged ferrets. Mm-hmm. And they were just tearing up at people's ankles, just trying to cause <laughs> mayhem. And then the centaurs were just all mad because the mer people weren't invited. And this uh, is going to okay. be my favorite part of the episode. Okay. Marianne, take so, it away. Listen, I've got two things. One, to go back to our whole trolls thing, like we discussed earlier, clearly they can't be that dumb if they're like coming up here and like wrecking the chamber every single time, unless they're reckless or something. But I guess <laughs> that could probably like help answer that question But before. But my second thing and my most important thing is that when I was looking into this and reading about like the centers being mad that the mer people weren't invited, I just like, give me a side plot where a centaur fell in love with the mermaid and was like, oh my God, I this is an injustice that the mer people weren't invited. And so he went and fought for his mermaid's rights. And I just want this story. I want this parable, this like child. I don't know. Okay. I, don't, I don't know what it is. First it of all, that was I very, it. very hetero of you. Second of all, yeah, what? give Marianne air and she will ship it. Okay. She is <laughs> the shipper of literally all things. We have said this before. We were, we just filmed a witchcraft today. Hop onto our IGTV, <laughs> go watch it. And literally, she was talking about the show notes, and she was like, but Jenny, like, but Jenny. why Why would the centaurs care that the mer people weren't there? She was like, I have a theory. And immediately, I knew that there was going to be a ship involved. I just love, <laughs> I just love, love y'all. But I think, I don't know, I guess... <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a hetero relationship, you know, that just is me and my like education because we all, you know, all we had was like the male centaurs and the female mermaids, like, quote unquote, that we know of, but I still stand by it. A centaur and a mermaid fell in love and a centaur was ready for mermaids. Merperson, you're right, merperson. So, right. I mean, so I actually, possibly. oh, go ahead. I, sorry, I just had to like paint the picture for everyone when you guys mentioned like the centaurs were mad that like a mer person wasn't invited. I just pictured like, how would they get the mer person there? Like, do they? Do they just I mean, like have levitate? Watched, have a you giant... watched like, any movie ever? Like, you just go get a bathtub. Yeah. Oh, I was about water. to say like a, like a giant tank and <laughs> yeah. like 
fill it in but then like they would think that that was demeaning but like they can't breathe Maybe. anywhere else That's so true. just it's true you find if a you, way if you I literally ever watched the movie aquamarine yes then you know <laughs> i i really just pictured like a giant tank with a mermaid just floating across the uk on its way to the council and that is a great picture in my head i mean they could have just been like super accommodating and had the meeting by the water yeah by the black lake or even like if they like got a secluded area of the slytherin dungeons like dormitory and just like all right we're gonna just like meet in the common room you like there's a window to the black lake anyway so you guys are gonna be there while we discuss i don't know man there could have been ways do you think that's like what if there was like a crossover and that's why ariel is so sad that she can't be where the people are <laughs> You're welcome. Could you Hashtag multi-fandom. So we're going to move on with our history. Finally, in 1811, like an eternity later, this guy named Gorgon Stump, also his parents hated him. He was a Hufflepuff and he decided to redefine what a being was. And that's kind of like the definition that we have as of today. And so the definition now is any creature that has sufficient intelligence to understand the laws of the magical community and to bear part of the responsibility in shaping those laws. And so again, I, I ask you, what is intelligence? But I don't I, know. I'm going to shout out to my ABA peeps, operationally define intelligence. Tell okay. me exactly what it is. So operationally. Oh, excuse me. Whoa, you're being super exclusive right now. I would, because I'm about I to am not of the ABA. Okay, and I think I know where you are going, madam. Basically, operationally defining something is just a very fancy way of saying, if I can't know what exactly you're telling me, and if I can't replicate exactly what you're telling me, then your definition is not good enough. I have a different definition of intelligence, so unless you state it in precise words what you think intelligence is, I'll put different people in that category. So it's not well-defined. It's not. This is super problematic. But I just feel like it, even though it's problematic still, like, to this day, it it's probably the best, like, they could come up with. And it still took them 12 ministers of magic, because we already got the Ministry of Magic by now, 12 ministers and 400 years later to figure this out. 400 years. Like what? Shane was being thrown. It was, so, and I wanted to use another word that I used in the Google Doc, but I'm not going to use it now because we're not Broom Chicks Unleashed. We're not. But if you go to Patreon, <laughs> you can read it for yourself. Hashtag shameless plug. So a being division was formed in the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. Already have an issue. But personally, I just think that it's a poorly named department. Yes, um, absolutely. Like, just like, come on, guys. Like, really? These regulations so and control. Like, yes. why do you have control? But thank it, you. That not only that, but I think the structure overall, like, could have just been a little bit better in the yeah, government. Again, like, I will ask you: Why is there a department of magical law enforcement that deals pretty exclusively with like people and their shenanigans? Because I know that there's other laws that may not govern like bodies. But I'm just saying, like, whenever we hear about a wizard who has done bad, I feel like it's always talked about in, like, 
the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. Mm -hmm. And yet, like if a mer person did something that the ministry was going to come after them for, then it would be from the Department of the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. And I'm just not here for it. Not one bit. Not one bit. It's anyway, all crime. Um, but I, I, I'm going to say, because I keep um, referring to mer people and centaurs, but just like as an FYI, like I'll check facts, they are not actually classified as beings. Because, mm -hmm. and let me tell you that I need some books <laughs> to discuss this drama because there has to be tea. Mer people and centaurs were purposefully left off the list of beings because they were offered like the classification and they denied it because the beings division included hags and vampires. And the mer people and the centaurs did not want to be associated with them. And so, in all of the pettiness, they were like, no thanks. And so, as a default, they are classified as beasts by the Ministry of Magic. One, I don't see why not. This goes back to my theory that mer people, a mer person, and a centaur fell in love because you know <laughs> they got they must have fallen in love, you know, procreated, whatever the case may be, taught their families, their their species to live amongst the other, even though you know. One lives on land and the other lives in the sea, but they Amazing. both share the similar values. And not only that, you know what must have happened? You know how they say, like, they say that you can't drink the blood of a unicorn. What if a vampire tried to drink the blood of a centaur and maybe the centaur died and the mer person was upset and the hag helped the vampire because she was like a two-timer. She lied. She The mer person had made friends with the hag so and the hag Marianne needs to hella dust off her <laughs> fan fiction writing abilities right now and write Let's us go. this fanfic I am about to go I will do it honestly for realsies if we like we'll put some like kind of bet on social media if like enough people like like us or follow us or whatever or listen to us I, yes. will, I will write it I I'm will ready. Write it. I'm making a video. I'm going to be explaining this and I will drop it on the social media. This better explode because I need this writing. I will 1000% do it. I will live for it. And I'm okay. sure people will want it. But I believe in this story so much. Amazing. I, I just own the Harry Potter universe at this point since, you know, JK Rowling has gone mental anyways. So it's fine. <laughs> great. I can just see Marianne like accepting like her Oscar for direction of her own movie based on this fanfic that's about to happen. <laughs> and I can just see her like, I would like to thank the broom chicks for making this possible. Amazing. And all the fans who believe. Anyway, so we're, gonna, <laughs> we're kind of done with like the history tab, but I did want to add, it's just kind of weird to me that the Ministry of Magic was like, hey, we're going to create all these like magical segregation departments. And they were like, this is how we're going to know how to govern bodies. And then like two groups of bodies were like, no, nah, we're not feeling it. And they were like, okay, that's totally fine. You have the freedom to reject this, but we're going to put you in another segregation group and we're going to still govern your body. It just, it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. I have like a whole question, like the whole time we've been reading and doing our research for this, I've been thinking, I'm like, okay, so the whole statute of secrecy 
is, you know, magic has to be hidden from muggles and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's almost unfair to all magical creatures that don't look like humans because they automatically are forced to be more secluded than wizards and witches. Yeah. So it's like it's like almost automatically just by looking different because of this law that you have to be considered you have less rights. Like you can't you mm-hmm. can't walk around London as a giant, but a wizard can. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, you're So it's almost like right wizards now. like naturally had the upper hand because they looked like humans. It's mm-hmm. almost like the people writing the legislation are getting the perks. Now, where could we have seen an example of that one? Ooh, we're getting hashtag uh, yes. political themes. All the white I mean, men that rule America. Okay. I mean, I will say this. I'm going to play devil's advocate for one second. but I don't I'm want not... you to. I really don't want you to. I have to. I have to. It's but really... why? Because, like, think about it this way, too. If wizards and witches and wicks alike were all going underground because of, like, in order to survive because people were after them, I can only imagine that the same thing was happening to all the other creatures. And we just don't know about it because it's not like stated. That's my devil's advocate moment moment. But I still believe that if these are beings, like I'm not getting to beasts or spirits just yet, just beings, these beings that are like, it's hard to, uh, for someone that, for our world, it's hard to comprehend because we don't have aliens from Mars coming onto the Earth and being like, well, like, we are, like, very the same, but we're not the same. So it's hard to understand. But if they are beings of, you know, sane mind and body, then why are we the ones regulating them? Like, shouldn't they regulate themselves? I feel like, I feel like that is super easy to relate to, though, right? I mean, I feel like even just like, just like look at legislation where like, let's just even put it between men and women where we're like, we're literally the same, but we're a little bit different. But men are still <laughs> governing women's body. I'm, I mean, I'm serious. I'm yeah. dead serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at it that way. And if you're not a woman, well, then try and think like one. But... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I mean, look at all of that. It's yeah. the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I think I it's think hella it's, relevant, bros. Hella I, relevant. I think it's more so that like they just need more representation in the Ministry of Magic. Like you need yeah. more beings, you know, governing those departments. If you still want to have those departments, maybe change the name. But if you want to have those departments, have beings of those departments possibly, you know, being a part of them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's just I just feel like anytime that you try and like itemize or like classify anything like it's just going to be a bad time, bro. Like, have we not learned? And I mean, like, even if you look at the animal kingdom, right, where you have like class and order and phylum and all that stuff, it's like there's so many animals that like as time goes on, they're like, "Mm, but they were once classified as this and now they're classified as that. Or like Mm -hmm. they have traits from this, but they also have traits from that. And like you just can't put everything in a box. Like it doesn't work. And one day maybe we'll learn. But I mean, for now, I think it's, I think it's, I'm going to go deep here. I think it's just like a part of human nature that things need to be orderly and things need to have an explanation. But is it it part of human nature or is it something that's just been like indoctrinated because that's just how it's been done over time? Like, do we really think that Neanderthals were sitting down like around the campfire? Like, okay, well, 
this is like a flat rock and that's like not a flat rock. Let's separate it. Like, I mean, were they really trying to classify stuff like we are? Like, this is so... Well, well I mean, yeah. like, human nature is just to bring order and an explanation and like... For communication. For, for communication purposes. So from the very beginning, Neanderthals, the reason why we have religion in the first place was like, they couldn't figure out a way to explain the sun. So guess what? The sun became a god who governed them and like it just goes on and on in history that we just need to put like a label in order to be able to explain something. Mm -hmm. So it's just I see what you're saying there, bud. And we just took it really far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Whatever. We did. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> so the first creature creature, not creature, being magical being that we're talking about. Technically a creature. Technically a creature. That we're talking about is goblins. The gabbies. So the most prominent goblin in the books is Grip Hook. So from what we know about Grip Hook, he's the one that takes Harry to this chamber in Philosopher's Stone, the first book slash movie, um, and also assists him in getting Hufflepuff's cup, the Horcrux, in Deathly Hallows. Uh, before that, uh, he was also tasked to guard the sword of Gryffindor in Bellatrix's vault, um, knowing that it was a fake. He knew it was a fake from beforehand. Um, he assisted the Golden Trio to break into Gringotts in exchange for that sword, um, and obviously to get the Huff uh, Hufflepuff's cup, um, and saying it was rightfully goblin property because apparently it was stolen from Ragnuk, the king of the goblins. Um, anyways, so one last little fun fact that I wanted to also mention about Grip Hook, because a lot of the times, you know, we there's so much like quote unquote canon that gets lost in these like Harry Potter games. Uh -huh. But one little fun fact is that if you follow the game Hogwarts Mystery, you yeah. also get to see him <laughs> you also get to see him task his quote unquote subordinate, which is interesting and debatable. Like it. I love it. Like, I'm just like, interesting. Like, a goblin is actually, you know, a superior to a wizard. Uh, but he's tasked his subordinate, Bill Weasley, a gem of a person, to retrieve a golden dragon egg forged by the infamous goblin blacksmith, Urgruff. They're unwary. Not sure why, but I think it's fun. Hashtag facts. <laughs> uh, anyways, so... They weren't exactly portrayed as being really nice in any circumstance. Uh, we hear Professor Binns talk about the Goblin Rebellions. Um, the Goblin Rebellions uh, were expressed by the Daily Prophet uh, and referred to as bloody and vicious. So they mainly happened within the 17th and 18th centuries, but probably were still kind of like having submersive goblin groups that were like meeting in secret and just like not much changed with their rights even after the goblin rebellions. Uh, fun fact, one rebellion in 1612 took place in the vicinity of Hogsmeade's village and the three broomsticks Inn was used as the wizard headquarters for the rebellion. Which so, I'm not like super proud of, but it's fine. The broomsticks. <laughs> the broomsticks. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually think it's so... Sorry, I'm trying to form my thought and I lost it, but now it's back. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, she who must not be named basically took like this like goblin lore of them being like vicious. It's just how it's always been portrayed throughout like fantasy writing. Like if you even play um, Dungeons and Dragons, goblins are always the conniving, untrustworthy, vicious little beings that like 
cause mayhem and havoc and like you don't want to be associated with with um goblins if any of you guys watch critical role out there then you know that not the brave is a goblin but she has to disguise her face so she's not judged in society so this is just a long time lore that apparently goblins are just vicious little creatures always looking out for their own good and yeah. always looking out for their own treasure they're very mm -hmm. treasure-based creatures in yes. the lore yeah absolutely um so not a lot is known about or everything's pretty alleged when it comes to the goblin rebellions and just like goblin rights in general um according to the wombat uh these rebellions may have occurred because of lack of goblin representation of the wizen gamut so the wizen gamut for those of you who might not know is the wix jury so having a jury within a trial um they wombat? wombat i have to google it but it's like one of those um one of those exams oh okay yeah. Um, so they uh, apparently had attempts to enslave goblins as house elves. Uh, they were stripping of their wand privileges. Uh, wizards were attempting to control uh, all of Kringots um, or the brutal goblin slaying slayings by Yardley Platt. So Yardley Platt Man. was actually known for being a serial goblin killer. Wow. Yeah. They were just treated as second class citizens. Like even though they hold same status as wizards, you know, like they still can create as much magic. They obviously uh, can create treasures like the the sword of Gryffindor. Um, they just have as much skill and as much intelligence. Um, they just look different. Um, but anyways, so we can also see the problematic attitude at the Ministry of Magic uh, when there's a giant fountain illustrating goblins, among others, um, looking up as at a witch and wizard, placing them very clearly below human beings. Um, so there's a quote that Bill Wisley actually uh, talks about to Harry in the Deathly Hallows, and he said, we are talking about a different breed of being, said Bill. Dealings between wizards and goblins have been fought for centuries, but you'll know all that from history of magic. There has been fault on both sides. I would never claim that wizards have been innocent. However, there is a belief among some goblins and those at Gringotts are perhaps most prone to it, that wizards cannot be trusted in matters of gold and treasure, that they have no respect for goblin ownership. Um, so not only does it go exactly with what Elizabeth said, but that's why uh, another reason why a lot of people tend to believe that there could be like secret goblin not like risings but goblin groups um that kind of just uh continue uh um teaching this these generations of goblins of these behaviors and um their knowledge and just their views on wizard kind in general i mean rightfully so but anyways um this leads nicely into our next article Okay, so this is going to lead us into kind of a um, conversation that I have been seeing on social media and that has been going around for quite some time now. And basically, um, there is a lot of people that believe that anti-Semitism was woven into the story um, with the use of goblins. And so we did a lot of research and we had a lot of conversation and time discussing the subject in and of itself. And so we kind of just wanted to present the argument as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so basically if you're not aware, but there was a lot of um, anti-Semitic anti propaganda that was spread um, by the Nazis during the Holocaust 
And a lot of those tropes kind of carried on into popular culture. And we know some of the very um, popular propaganda that was spread was that Jewish people have a tide of money. And if you want to go ahead and Google it, there's actually something called the economic Jew. And um, there was also a lot of actual like um, stereotypes. Not, not, I don't want to say photos, but I, I don't know if they were drawings, but I know that Nazis posted um, like posters of quote unquote Jewish people and all of them had like large or hooked noses. And so a lot of people believe that the goblins and Harry Potter who control the bank and hoard treasure and keep treasure um, and seem to be very possessive over treasure that they deem goblin made. Um, and they have like these hooked noses. A lot of people believe that to be following the anti-Semitic trope and believe that it is propagated throughout the story. And so we really felt like we needed to look it up and kind of discuss it a little bit. And so we kind of tried to go all the way back to when, like, when is the first goblin mentioned? When do we start to see that stuff? And so Elizabeth actually has a good timeline and a good um, understanding understanding of it. So I'm going to let her kind of take that portion. Yeah. So I, it's almost like a chicken and the egg thing. Like, which came first, like the Jewish stereotype or the goblin stereotype? And looking through goblin literature and the first mention of even goblin-like creatures, it's an ancient, ancient folklore um, throughout both English, Greek, and German um, literature and folklore. And while they, the, the term goblin itself wasn't created until the 1800s, goblin-esque creatures have always been short, demonic-looking things associated with evil with mischief with hoarding with tricks um in the english folklore these types of creatures were called red caps um in greek folklore they were called i'm sorry i can't speak greek but um <laughs> kali Kansaros. and in german folklore they're called kobolds which kobold is the Jer the german word for goblin um but basically, they're all associated in some way with like a demonic background. They all have some type of history with being underground, which I find interesting that a lot of Gringotts was underground. I think JKR definitely pulled from that folklore um, that they were always associated with like mining and stuff like that. Um but basically in literature, in actual like written literature, the first goblin was mentioned in a Hans Christensen novel in uh, 1853 called The Goblin and the Huckster. And then in multiple uh, versions of literature throughout the 1800s, um, Japanese literature, the Brothers Grimm, um, Victorian poets, and then it goes on and on to um, we get to um, J.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth Goblins um and all that stuff so goblins and their mischievous tricking nature being obsessed with earthly treasures has been around in the folklore for a long time and like granted jews have also been around for a very long time yeah. so it's still a chicken and the egg situation but goblin folklore has been in multiple different um ethnicities across the globe and have always been associated with this type of look, these type of 
traits. Yes. So there is also a big um, argument saying that um, there are stars of David, like the pattern of stars of David within Gringotts, like in the movies, obviously. It's not described in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also looked into that, and the building that was actually used as Gringotts is a real building located in Australia, I believe. It's actually located in the UK, but it's confusing. It's called Australia House. Yeah. It's It's confusing. There's a lot of straight here. It is. It's very confusing. So you can look up this building online. It is called the Australia House. It has been around for 100 years, I believe. Yes, 100 years. And um, I didn't go into too much of the history of the Australia House, um, but it does have these beautiful, intricate floor design. And it does have like this, like what looks like a Star of David on the floor. Um, But overall, the building is beautiful. It's been used in multiple movies. It was used in Wonder Woman, um, a Muppets movie. It was in... Um, a vampire film as well, but for some reason, the articles won't mention which vampire film it is. And I don't know why I'm thinking it's the Twilight series. Could um, you imagine? Oh, wow. Oh, I wow. think it I think it might be for um, what's that council in like Rome or whatever that they have? Uh, the Volturi. Volturi. I think one of the scenes with the Volturi are in this house as well. Um, so it's it's a widely used like filming location. Um it's pre-existing, is it? it yes, it's pre-existing. It existed yeah. way before the Harry Potter books, way before the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. That's just the design. It's a gorgeous place. It looks like it should be a goblin bank in my opinion. It's absolutely like beautiful, giant chandeliers everywhere. Um but yeah, let's yeah. go on with our the rest of our, our facts and research. Yeah, so, okay, so while doing the research for this, we felt like it would be appropriate um, to read articles that were written by Jewish people to see what the sentiment was. Um, and there's actually a lot of articles on record um, kind of stating that they don't buy into the fact, and this is going to get like a little complicated, so stay with me. But there's not a lot of, um, like, blame being placed on J.K. Rowling herself, it seems. And so, I mean, obviously, you guys know that I think she's trash. But it seems like publicly J.K. Rowling has actually made, like, the opposite of anti-Semitic comments. Um, And so I personally don't believe that she is an anti-Semite. But I think that this um, conversation kind of brings up a lot of, the debate that can be made between intention and then how something is perceived. So JK Rowling has made a lot of connections between like Lord Voldemort being a lot like Hitler or the death eaters being a lot like Nazis. And so she's kind of placed Harry Potter in this world where we have been able to compare it to the Holocaust and what was going on in like Nazi Germany or at that time with all of that propaganda. And so I think that a larger scale issue is that we are putting all of these things together. Unfortunately, yes, the Australian house has a pattern that looks like the star of David on their floors and they are filming in a location 
where goblins who are known to be greedy and hoard treasure and have hooked noses, which was another, like we spoke about, um, anti-Semitic trope, all of these things have now come together. And I think she kind of situated it in a world close to um, the world of like the Holocaust and yeah, the world of like the Holocaust and stuff. And so I feel like maybe the intention was not there, but it now lives in a world where this is an argument that has arisen. And so it's just kind of honestly doing like the research on the history and stuff and like which came first, like anti-Semitic tropes or goblins and all that kind of stuff. Honestly, it was very interesting to me. And I think it's like a good reminder that we have to be constantly reevaluating like what we are reading and consuming and looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I guess that's kind of just where we're going to leave it unless you guys want to add anything. Um, I just want to add that like, you know, we obviously are not, I mean, not obviously we've never talked about our religious beliefs, but we are not a part of the Jewish community, the three of us. So we cannot speak for the Jewish community, Yeah, but, um, if you want to know how Jewish people feel about possible anti-Semitic views in Harry Potter, then look up those articles because no one can speak for them or their views more yeah. than they and can. And it's not like, I mean, you know, it's not like the Jewish community as a whole is going to come out and release an article and be like, here, like all Jewish people feel this one way yeah. about this one thing. Like, I mean, for all we know, there could be articles that we didn't find written by Jewish people that think this is very anti-Semitic. Um, so it's just kind of what we found going along the way. Yeah. And it's we, an interesting conversation to have. It's, yeah. it is a very interesting conversation. We, you know, we, we put it out there for you guys. We put why people have made the association that it's anti-Semitic and why certain people don't believe goblins are anti-Semitic. Um, so we're just going to leave it out there for you. You can form your own opinions and views. Um, and see where you lie on that spectrum. Yeah. Um, and I think honestly, I want to leave it with a quote because I think it sums up the position quite nicely, but, um, this is from somebody named Matthew Michael McLuhan and they said, is the idea of a short, large nosed goblin banker tinged with anti-Semitic imagery And do they bear some resemblance to old anti-Semitic propaganda? I think the answer is yes. And so it kind of sums that up quite nicely is like maybe the imagery, the trope was there, but was it outright like anti-Semitic? Did she put that intention into her books? Maybe not. Yep. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. Oh, we did that justice. We 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 got hashtag political themes. We went hashtag yes. facts. Yes. Like guys, you have no idea. Like this was this was a very serious conversation for us yeah. as a podcast. Yeah, and like we never really talk about things this seriously. And yeah. so we we just we I feel like it like drained trying to make sure that we did all of our research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so now that we have provided you with what we feel like is two views and a whole picture sort of deal, we're going to move on into giants. (laughs) (laughs) A giant leap. (laughs) I can't. Ah, The transitions here are really quite good. Ooh, all right. So moving on to the giants, our most obvious giant, well, 
half giant is my fave Rubius Hagrid. Um, as we all know, he's a half giant, a giant mother and a muggle father. Don't know how that happened. Don't want to picture it. Season one. I have questions. Uh, hashtag. I have questions. Hashtag. It can't go both ways. What? <laughs> like, what? okay. Like a giant father and a muggle mother. Like that can't happen. This is a family podcast. And I'm going <laughs> to need you to tone it down. Sorry, but these are the questions in my mind. Whenever I think about like the half giants, I'm like. David for the Patreon. Anyways, um, so there used to be at least a hundred different tribes of giants across the globe, but um, they had to be restricted on their territories. Uh, and that means like a lot of the populations have been forced to like live together in like different valleys between mountains. And no, I understand no, in one valley, in one valley, yes, in one valley between mountains. Um, and this has caused a lot of problems, however. This was probably done because it was the easiest way to hide giants. Because I'm sure giants would hella break the statue to secrecy. Like, can you imagine like a 20 foot person just walking down the streets of London? That's a little weird. Um, I mean, I it also poses the question: like, um, what are the populations differing in all like these different countries? Like, do we maybe not have as many giants in Great Britain, but maybe there's a ton of giants and like places like Africa or India or like Asia or Russia, like where there's like a little bit more space. Like maybe we have giants in like the middle of America. Wouldn't that be great? Canada. We've got some <laughs> Argentinian. We've got some Argentinian giants. I'm I sure they were in those mountains. So oh, no, we Amaz- mountains now. Amazonian giants. I want them all. Ooh. So um, in doing the research, it kind of seems like all of the tribes that were spread across the globe were actually forced to live in a valley between mountains somewhere in Russia. I think west or northwest or something like that of Minsk. That's hashtag allegedly. Don't quote me. I can't remember. But basically, the entire population of giants from all over the globe has now been brought down to an actual 80 individuals. And they all <gasps> live in that valley that Hagrid and Olymp visit. Whoa. So your dreams of Amazonian oh. and Argentinian and Canadian giants has just died here. And we shall have a moment of silence. That's so sad. Exactly. Oh, wow. It's it really is yeah. so sad. I'm going to put that into my fan fiction. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So the giant story is nothing but sad. Um, Basically, wizards think very lowly of giants. um, And we know that, like, Lady V has uh, taken advantage of the giants and allied with them during the first uh, Wizarding World world war um i mean not the world no, war, the first, first wizarding war yes. first wizarding war world war is different yes and um he makes a bid to have them as well during the second wizarding war so he um he i'm guessing he wants to take advantage of their brute nature quote unquote um so we see hagrid and olympe um madame maxine for those is that her name yeah i think oh, so. they're olymp olymp yeah, I always said Olympe. Yeah, so I would think like Olympics, but Olympe because she's Olympe. Who knows? Okay. I'm gonna so- just call her Madame Maxine. <laughs> yeah, Madame Maxine. That's the easiest. Okay, so they travel um to see 
the Gurg on Dumbledore's behalf. And the Gurg is like the leader of the giants in this um, small tribe. And um, as Jenny mentioned, the tribe currently only has like 80 whole giants in it. And they're all in this one valley um, in Russia. And so the Gurg, when Hagrid and Olympe arrived, was a carcass. And then Carcass was killed and succeeded by Golgamath. Golgamath These bo- all, by the way, sound like um, heavy metal bands to me. <laughs> like Carcass and Golgamath. Like, I can totally be like, did you get that new Carcass album? Oh, yeah, I see it. I see it. You're welcome. I'm going to go, go, go see Golgamath later tonight. <laughs> Want to go? <laughs> sorry. I'm very sorry to have interrupted you. It, it's all good. Um, so Golgamath was convinced to side with Lady V, um, by McNair, Ugh. um, and some other Death Eater who is unnamed. <laughs> and so basically he already sided with Lady V. So he's like, sorry, Hagrid can't be of help. Gonna attack the crap out of you. And, um, you know, they, there is at least one giant that we know of in the second wizarding world. Second wizarding war. War. I can't say First wizarding war. And Lady no, but I'm talking about the second one. The second wizarding war. <laughs> uh, uh, but basically, one giant is involved in an attack on muggles, and the muggle community is trying to pass that off as a hurricane. Yo. Which well, I mean, they didn't like, pass it off as a hurricane. That's like legitimately what they thought it was. I mean, if you didn't see the giant, I can see like how the damage could look like a hurricane yeah. coming from the, the Floridian. Damage, yes, but like the actual hurricane occurring, I'm very confused. Yeah, like one so, meteorologist was like <laughs> bamboozled. Bamboozled. Like if you don't know, all hurricanes originate in an ocean close because I don't know the name of the ocean because I'm American and education is bad. But the ocean that is close to Africa, Atlantic, in- I think. Maybe, yeah, because the Maybe Pacific Ocean is it's in like the California. South Pacific. That I know. <laughs> so but Atlantic I mean- Ocean. Well, I don't know. We are educated. You're making me feel bad about myself. So. Allegedly, the Atlantic Ocean. Anyways, there's hot water down there. And it starts to spin, becomes a little storm, and it makes its way down to Florida. And then there's hurricanes. So I'm just very confused as to, like, like, was it even hurricane season? I don't think it was. I don't think it was hurricane season. And hurricanes, at least, like, from my knowledge of hurricanes, have never made it to the UK before. So I don't know why they said hurricane. There are like Pacific hurricanes. I've Google that. <laughs> like I know for sure there are Pacific hurricanes that have a whole different naming system from the ones that hit the U.S. and like the I mean the Americas. Um, and they're the ones that hit like Thailand, Japan, and all that stuff. And they have their own um systems, and they're creating the hot waters of the Pacific. So and we're still looking at Japan, Thailand. Korea's and the Americas. Like, where's the UK and all this? It's not a hurricane. I'm just like, I I know there's like an, the Office of Misinformation. Like, their whole job is to like, after muggles are like obliviated, they go in and they're like, so, so this is what you saw. Like, they like come up with the stories and then they implement them. But at the same time, like, 
I don't know. Like, if you don't okay. have a memory of it, just wild. So after the live Googling. <laughs> um, so obviously, as I discussed with the hot water, like, they hurricanes rely on warm water to keep them going. Let's call it their fuel. Um, but the UK is well protected from strong hurricanes. So it's possible it's possible for remnant. Okay, so hurricanes rely on warm water. We know this. And it's kind of like their fuel. And so basically remnants of hurricanes can come near the islands. Um, but there have been times when storms, I guess, cross the Atlantic, but then they lose strength. Yeah. So basically, like by the time that they would have gotten to the UK, it would have been maybe like let's say a tropical storm. I, I feel like even that is too by much. The like, time, by the time that they reach the UK, essentially, um, they're just not classified as hurricanes anymore. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the winds no longer reach a speed of 74 miles per hour. So again, like these people don't have any memory of a hurricane and then hurricanes aren't even like a thing in the UK. So why? Uh, There was one exception which occurred in 1987. So kind of like in recent memory here, Hmm. but it wasn't even called a hurricane. It was called literally the great storm of 1987. (laughs) And I don't want to laugh because it actually like it did kill people and it was a serious wind over 100 miles per hour, but. They didn't even call it a hurricane. They literally just called it the Great Storm of 1987. That's wow. Okay, so hurricane question mark. <laughs> we really went into detail with that one. Uh, yeah, sorry. It just really didn't get that because I'm Floridian. from Florida. <laughs> yeah, we're like, hey, we're like hurricanes. We smelt something fishy and we weren't having it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we claim hurricanes as our own at this point. Yes, we do. Well, I mean, not really, because it happens in other states, but... but and other countries. And other countries, yes. But, you know. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so, it's from this visit that Hagrid discovers that he has a brother, a half-brother, <laughs> well, named Grop. Laughing, because there was just, like, no transition. We were just nope. like, hurricanes. Hagrid's got a brother. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm giving up on transitions at this point. <laughs> so, Groppy. I love Groppy. Um, He's able to learn some English. He was seen at Dumbledore's funeral. I love him. You know, he scared the bejesus out of Umbridge. Props to him. Uh, But basically, Hagrid describes the giants as dying out faster than ever. Like, they're not made to live bunched up together like that. And so I'm guessing in, like, before they were forced to live in, like, this one canyon in this one valley tribes were a lot smaller it does look like in general especially the male dominant giants have a very violent background and a violent way to gain power and i can't imagine if you're putting all these different tribes together that's a lot of like testosterone fueled leaders that (laughs) now need to fight it out amongst each other as to who's going to be the actual leader and that can only end badly Badly, badly, badly. As we see in our own history, too, when a bunch of testosterone-fueled leaders all come together. <laughs> Just not not fun times. Um, but, like, he doesn't... He says, like, it's the wizard's fault that they're dying out. Um, but he doesn't really expand on the subject. I mean, so we would really well, like... To- maybe it's going back to what you said earlier, Elizabeth, where it's like, why as wizards and witches and wicks whatever are like governing these 
but like these bodies of magical beings when we, they have no right to and they have no representation to do so so like they're not being protected for what yeah. they need no yeah they because with how are wizards supposed to know what they need because yeah. even half giants can't be raised amongst the giants like mm -hmm. Hagrid is puny compared to real giants so he was on the tube he did make it onto the tube of the london underground so but I mean, still <laughs> still exactly <laughs> um so i don't know who gave wizards again the right to govern all magical beings i mean if you're considered intelligent enough to follow rules and laws then you should come up with your own rules and laws on how to govern yourself but that i think is like the theme of our episode and i think of our series today <laughs> so moving on to Vila's. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, guys, get ready and excited. Okay, so get I can't say, get ready, get excited. I can't say they're my favorite because really my favorites are werewolves, but Vila's are my second faves. And here what? I am about to go. I love Vila's. I mean, I as don't. Are you talking about? I love them. I, I get excited about them. But, anyways, this at least they're my second faves in the magical beings category. Like if we're adding the beasts and the spirits, then you know they start I'm going a little lower. Not but. a fan of the way that they were written. All right, well that's on you. But here I am gonna <laughs> fangirl about them anyways. So they're native to Bulgaria, and they first appear in the books in Goblet of Fire at the Quidditch World Cup. Uh, so they are also Vila's in general. They are the mascots for the Bulgarian team. Um, and according to Harry Potter um, and the canon verse, uh, Vila's are described as looking like incredibly beautiful women with moon bright skin and white gold hair that fans out behind them despite the absence of wind. They have the ability to hypnotize and mesmerize most men with their seductive dance who will then try to impress them. Air faces turn into cruel beaked bird-like heads while long scaly wings burst from their shoulders and they can launch balls of fire from their hands. Uh, and they also have their own magic. So they don't even, uh, they don't require a wand in order to do so, um, which is kind of also something that we see with most magical beings. But hey, look, Vila's do it too. Um, so Vila's are like, since we kind of already talked about it with goblins, Vila's are also known widely like throughout different like mythologies. Um, I was about to say, aren't Vila's technically like in like pirate culture like aren't they technically like the mermaids that are like luring the pirates in yeah yeah let me get to that ah, so okay let, let me get to that so there's different mythologies again like i said on vilas um so in slavic mythology uh vilas are described as fairy or nymph-like creatures who live in bodies of water and have power and ability over storms uh they're Ooh. also they're also known to morph in different things uh, like swans snakes horses or wolves uh which is really interesting uh and they are magically seductive speaking and singing voices hypnotize those who hear them and they are fierce warriors right um yes very similar to mermaids which i'll still get to there's even more oh. um I know. Um, they also are uh, considered in Slavic mythology. They possibly could be ghosts of women who drowned, especially <gasps> those who were betrayed by their lovers. Ooh, um, I like that one. Right? And this is not the only place that we've seen it. We've also seen in Serbian legend, they were maidens cursed by God. Um, in Bulgaria, they were girls who died before they were baptized. Oh, my God. And 
In Poland, they were young girls floating through the air, atoning from frivolous past lives. So there's a lot of like different ways, especially in just Slavic cultural and Slavic culture of what Vila could be. Um, but going back to what Elizabeth was mentioning in Greek mythology specifically, like what they're mostly known for, uh, Vila's are similar to the sirens. Um, sirens there are featured. Yeah, sirens are featured in Homer's The Odyssey, as we know, a uh, very famous, you know, <laughs> Greek literature, um, mm -hmm. as half-bird, sea-dwelling hybrids whose hypnotic singing causes sailors to run aground. So it's still very similar to what we know as Vila's in the Harry Potter universe, being very, like, bird-like, but then it still has, like, that mix of uh, sirens in them. Um, however, in the Harry Potter universe, as we know, sirens are one of the three known species as mer people, and as far as we know, are unrelated to Vila. And obviously, we're not gonna get to mer people. We're not gonna get to mer people today, which I also love me some mer people and centaurs, as we know. Um, but I just like found that all to be so interesting because the common trait is definitely like um, having some sort of weight about them that they can like in like charm and intrigue people to come in but they're also very fierce so yes granted i'm gonna give this to you they are probably scary as poop i do not want to mess with a villa but at the same time would i love to be a villa absolutely would i love to be like oh i'm so pretty let me charm you with my singing and my dancing but if you mess me mess with me I'll get you. I'll bite you. Don't you dare mess with me. Here are my fire hands. Wow. Like, I think they're so fire hands. Fire hands. I think they're so cool. <laughs> Jenny and does not. Jenny's just like. It's not. It's not that I don't think that they're cool. But when I was reading it, I know that like, like I mean, like we said with the goblins and stuff, that J.K. Rowling heavily borrowed on allegory that had been there for a very long yeah. time. But it's like, you're also writing in like the 90s or early 2000s. I don't know. I don't pay attention. But it's like, why are we seductively dancing? Why are there no mention of any male Vila? Why are there, there seductive aren't. dances? Like, uh, only. Okay, I know. But why are they like only affecting? Like, why can't Hermione be like, oh, I love your seductive dancing? Like, I'm so charmed by you. Like, why is it like it's, it's just so hetero? I don't know. It just, it seems weird to me. I mean, if it is based off the folklore, then yeah. just, I understand that, but I is. feel like we can't just use that as like a scapegoat, like, oh, you know, sirens for like the longest time, you know, Homer in the Odyssey, like he just had to run his boat into some rocks. Like, I mean, you wrote this in the 90s, like she didn't even have to write that they were like seductively dancing. Like she could have just been like floor had like some bomb vocal pipes and she sang a beautiful song and Ron went crazy. Like. You could have taken it a different way. I don't know. I just feel like you also could have just been like, I don't know. Floor had a brother instead of a sister and his name was Gabe. Like, or what? Or I, I don't know. The I, point is, is I just have questions and certain things. I'm just like, we could have updated it. Like, that was the whole point, right? Is she took stuff and she kind of ran with it and she put it in her own universe. So, like, why not just change it up a bit? I will say this. One, she started writing this on the 1980s. So hashtag facts, <laughs> not the 1990s. I think we talked about it a couple of episodes ago. Um, two, uh, yeah, it's it's really probably just like that excuse is just like the folklore. Um, we do have confirmation. So one of the questions on the second level wombat asks the examinee to identify which of the given statements is false. And one of these claims uh, that full-blooded male Vila do not exist. 
Um, so more than likely they do not, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, men cannot be at least partially Vila because we do know that Flora does produce a ch uh, son named Louis um, and he is an eighth uh, Vila. So they can be Vila. They just, I don't know, we don't know if they are actually Vila. Like any male like Vilas. Full-blooded. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder. I wonder how you get like a full-blooded Vila. Like, can Vila decide to be both sexual and asexual? Maybe if we if a human can be, you know, sexual or asexual, why not? But like asexual in like the animal world sense, oh. where like they can like Maybe. you know impregnate themselves and produce Maybe. like similar looking offspring. We're all, for those of you who are not watching, like, as we're all just, like, we're all shrugging shoulders at each other, just, like, <laughs> over Squadcast. But no it's just, we don't, we don't know. <laughs> and it, half of it is the folklore, but the other half is just, you know, world-building questions that J.K. Rowling has not answered. Like, we have questions. But also, I don't want to hear any of her answers from yeah, like, now I, on. I was about to be like, I don't care what her answers are. Let's just start asking Daniel Radcliffe. Like, what is your opinion? Uh, at this no, point. We're asking me, because I'm just taking claim right, over our right. canon. <laughs> Starting with my fan fiction. But anyways. Yes. So we've already kind of talked to her, uh, talked about her a little bit already, but uh, the most notable Vila in the series is Flor de la Cour. Um, she is my princess and she is a quarter Vila. Um, so her grandmother was a Vila, um, as we know it. We have no idea, you know, how that worked out. I guess it's just, you know, a Vila and a wizard and we're like, ah. Um, <laughs> That's actually but, exactly what it was. It's exactly how it worked out. <laughs> or sorry, she's you French. The turtle sex noise. <laughs> That's Let's a turtle. No. So she's French. So it's actually la. Ah. I don't think that you guys have ever heard turtles. Have you seen like the viral video. videos of like turtles? getting it on real and it's just that in real life the ah they're like ah, ah. <laughs> i've never heard them make that noise i've always this... always like a <laughs> that's just my my experience i'm just letting you know maybe this was a cute turtle i you cannot keep this in the original cut <laughs> yes she can <laughs> we're a family friendly podcast We've pg-13 got, like... pg-13 PG-13. All I did was say, ugh. I said, no, but we, we, I don't know. Uh, whatever. You know, sex education. When does it start? Anyway. Should start early. But how early? I just, we're not going to get to hey, that right now. I'm already, I'm already teaching Julie that down there is a no touch zone unless it's with her <laughs> consent. So it starts early. Look at Jenny. Jenny's like, what are you doing? Well, I, I, I didn't know where she was going i mean yeah. where she actually went is great like yes but i just didn't know where we were going like are we changing She's diapers like, like your father and i did not hire the store <laughs> anywho despite you know how it happened it happened and she is a, a quarter villa because of her grandmother was a full Vila. Uh, her wand core is actually made from Vila hair from her grandmother. And this is very interesting. And I'm going to pull up a quote right here. Um, 
Interestingly, given that Fleur de la Cour's wand has a hair from her Vila grandmother, it is said in some legends that if even one of their hairs is plucked, a Vila will either die or be forced to change into a non-human shape. Vila are main features of Bulgarian and Serbian folklore, such as the story of, I'm going to butcher this, Marko Kraljevic and the Vila. Um, and then people, because of that, um, are suspect if the stories regarding the plucking of uh, Willie slash Vila hair uh, hold true with regards to Vila, um, it seems more likely that the hair used in Flora's wand would have naturally just shed uh, rather than have been plucked. Um, because other than that, that would have been really sad to or see. Or she hated her grandmother. Oh, <laughs> my dear Jesus. Oh, my God. That got so dark. And how dare you? How dare you? I love Vila's. And I love Florida LaCour. And I love her children. How dare you? And Bill Weasley, how dare you? That's Bill Weasley. Okay. Moving on to vampires. (laughs) I want to stop your blood. I I I wish our listeners could see what I'm doing right now. I'm just holding like my two teeth in front of me, pretending to be like things. You're holding your two teeth in front of you. My two fingers. (laughs) She's only got two teeth, and she's holding them in front of her. Elizabeth actually has dentures. (laughs) Little did you know. (laughs) Anyways, vampires. Oh my god, I love vampires. Oh, I think they're amazing. Anyways, okay. unrelated before we get into this, I just wanted to let the people know I've gone on a deep Twilight like rewatching binge just like the past couple days here on my weekend. And I'm just very into vampires right now. Leave me alone. Vampires have I don't want your judgment. Been portrayed as sexy, sexy beings, and I like them portrayed as sexy, sexy beings. <laughs> that was weird, but okay. It's gonna move on. <laughs> anyway. I feel like we can talk about Twilight because Robert Pattinson, obviously, Cedric Diggory. Like, the connection is there. It yeah, is. Guy, he became a vampire. We all know this. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay, so uh, vampires have, like, oddly enough, always been mentioned in the background of the Harry Potter stories. And it's literally, literally, at least one mention of a vampire is in all seven of the books, which is kind of crazy. Yep, Literally. Literally. Okay. Um, but like we don't know a lot of them by name, just like except for the best one. Yeah, I'm getting (laughs) the only one. (laughs) Um, so the one that we do know of comes along in Half Blood Prince, and his name is Sanguini. Yes! (laughs) Do you guys get it though? Yes! It's so good. Please let me explain this because it's a pun. Okay, and I go like on. We've already brought up death. Okay, other pun, and I yes. just have this conspiracy theory that all vampires have pun names. Okay, yes. <laughs> but anyways, if you don't know, if you were to die of like a large amount of blood loss, like if someone drained your blood, mm-hmm. the medical examiner or coroner, depending on your county or state, would be like they have died of exsanguination. And then this guy's name is Sanguini, you guys. It's so good. 
I'm done. Like, that was it. If, I don't. Rem- I don't remember. But is this guy Italian? Because he sounds Italian. Yeah, he is. I love him. There we go, my people. <laughs> I I, re- I really latch onto my like one eighth Italianness. Hardcore. Yeah, you really do. <laughs> um. So he makes an appearance at one of Salagorn's infamous parties. Um. But we do hear about vampires during Philosopher's Stone because of you know Coral's turban, you know, loaded with garlic to ward off vampires. Um, they study them in defense against the dark arts. Uh, Gildroy Lockhart publishes a book called Voyages with Vampires, um, where he discusses how after an encounter with a vampire, the vampire could eat nothing but lettuce. How sad. So, I mean, like, I know Gildroy didn't do this, but that yes. means someone had to do this. So now I wonder, I want to read the book to see who this other person is. And why lettuce? And why lettuce? It's like such it's it's a grass like yeah. Anyways, maybe he's a vegetarian now. I think that's the point, right? Uh, maybe he's a vegetarian now. Oh my god! Like the Twilight vampires. <laughs> like Jenny's Jenny's just like whoa, her whoa, eyes whoa, just whoa, open. Whoa. Like whoa. wait a second, the Twilight vampires are like literally the opposite of vegetarian. <laughs> I know, but like like vegetarian s like you know how like we're like vegetarians are like oh no meat, but like. Twilight vampires like oh no people it's like the same thing it's like the vegetarian version of a vampire so they're not cannibalists basically <laughs> they're just you know regular carnivores I just want to issue like an apology <laughs> it's like it's late here it's very late it's in, very both late. Place, in both time zones it's late okay it's been a long day <laughs> okay Clearly, um, we're losing it. <laughs> we are losing it, but we're having fun while losing it. So that's what yeah. counts. Um, early on in She Who Must Not Be Named's notes, uh, we did have a vampire professor named Trocar. Oh, and you'd be like, wow, Jenny, that's not a pun. But you just wait. Get educated. So a trocar. Oh, my God, I can't. Is a sharply pointed instrument inserted into arteries and cavities to extract bodily fluids hmm. i really Fun, think you guys honestly i feel like jk definitely just had fun with this she's like what how many ridiculous puns can i make with vampires anyways she <laughs> must not be named um, so a Reddit user by the name of Forward Discussion brings up a really good point, um, stating that there doesn't seem to be a lot of stigma attached to vampir- vampirism um, mm-hmm. as there is with uh, lycanthropy. Um, but, I mean, Honeyduke sells like blood pops openly. So. Exactly. So, yeah, like we don't really know much about vampires. I think it's safe to assume that they're pretty much like vampires that we all know maybe they don't sparkle like our (laughs) twilight vampires but you know they're just good old vampires sucking blood scared of garlic probably you know sizzle at like holy water and yeah oh man do you think that like sanguini the italian like how sad would it be if you couldn't eat garlic bread Oh, well, he couldn't. He couldn't eat garlic bread. That give was me, it. Give me that fanfic. That's the tragedy I want to read about. Oh my god! How That's can you be an Italian vampire and oh, live no in Italy? Garlic. Italy loves garlic. 
That's why the Italians don't have vire pro- vampire problems. I bet <laughs> they're you. They're all they gone. All they're, all left. Left. <laughs> they're like, screw this. I mean, oh my God, in Italy. Way back in the day, there was a secret group of people who were like, we're going to change Italian cooking. We've got to protect our families. And And they they were just like, garlic, put it in everything. (laughs) Oh my God. But really, there probably aren't any vampires in Italy. One, because of the garlic. And two, because of the Vatican and a huge part of the Roman Catholic Church is all over Italy. You can't walk around major Italian cities without stumbling upon like 30 churches. Literally, you know how much holy water there is in Italy. How many crucifixes <laughs> there are in Italy? It's a vampire's worst nightmare. I mean, yep. it depends on what kind of vampire, though. I guess for either trope, because like if you watch Supernatural hashtag multi phantom, like they don't really care about garlic or holy water. Mm-hmm. So That's true. Depends on what kind of vampire you are. I think it also de- the problem with like vampires and Harry Potter. Like I hate to be like like the problems, but like the problems is just be- they are really in the background the the entire time. They are yeah. definitely the cre- the epitome of like creatures in the lost story arc. Like they're yeah. there, yeah. but they're never really explained. Like we yeah. never really get a lot of like a Harry Potter canon folklore. So like for example, yes, she who must not be named. <laughs> has actually gone on record to be like she did this on purpose because she felt like the vampire thing was just so saturated with so many stories and so many myths and so many different kinds of things going on that she was like I'm not even gonna jump into it interesting which is, I mean it is interesting because I feel like werewolves it's kind of the same thing but yet she made a bid for that one mm-hmm. goblins that we have discussed have been around since like the dawn of time went into that one so I just mm-hmm. thought it was interesting that she was like nah it's inter- it, it it's like suspicious. I'm gonna say suspicious. Um, but since our we have a lack of folklore for it, um, we, we could even question like are vampires even immortals? I mean, n- none of the vampires that we do know or that we know of because they're never really talked about or explained. How are they living immortal lives? Are they even living long lives? Uh, the closest we do kind of get to what, like, if they are, um, is Lady Carmilla Sanguina, who maybe is related to Sanguini. Who knows? Amazing, amazing. Uh, I can't. More puns. <laughs> um, so she uh lived from like the 15 uh 1500s to like the 1700s, which is a pretty long time, that's like 200 years. Um, and she was an infamous vampire who bathed in the blood of her victims, believing it would retain her youth and beauty. Um, what a vibe. Literally I love, a super I love that. Vibe. <laughs> That's very um, dark that I love this, but I love it. I actually kind of like, I want to like be her. Like, what a vibe. She seems really, <laughs> she seems really cool and like a baddie. She looks like a baddie. Where's she um, from? Well, there's not much to know. I mean, just looking from like the etymology of the name, like the 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 I was gonna say double L for our English speakers, the double L, the A at the like the the A at the end of both names. Like she could either be Spanish or Italian or of some mm-hmm. like form of descent from those like two specific cultures. But again, it's not. There's not much information about the about vampires in general. And then the vampires that we do know, we have even like less information about. Um, some other notable vampires that- Wait, but I what I'm asking is like, is she from the Harry Potter world or is she just like- No, she's from the Harry Potter world. Of course she is. Girl, what are we talking about? <laughs> You're not wasting your time. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> yes, she's from the Harry Potter world. Oh my god, amazing! She's got her own frog amazing. card or chocolate frog card. She's got her own frog card. <laughs> what the heck? How dare you disrespect Lady Carmilla Sanguina? <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, so what I was getting to, uh, other notable vampires. So we got Herbert Varney. I don't know if anyone wants to Google that name really quickly, see if it's another pun, but uh, he was a British vampire who preyed upon women in the 1880s. Um, so he was eventually caught and killed by a speci specially assigned group of wizards from as we know it, the Department <laughs> for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. So something I guess that they were doing um, since we've been talking about it. But he's loosely based off of two things. One, Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood. Uh, so that's like a gothic horror story that predates and influences uh, Bram Stoker's story of Dracula, which we'll get to in a second. And then two, um, he's also uh, like loosely based off of the serial killer Jack the Ripper, um, who in 1888 brutally murdered at least five women, but was never caught or identified. Actually, Whoa. he was identified. Spoiler alert. It's Stefan Salvatore from the Vampire Diaries. Oh, my dear Jesus. Oh, my I literally God. Thought, I, was like, I was literally like, what? Is there some cool, like, Jack the Ripper story that just dropped out? Like, is the UK going mad? And no, it's freaking the Vampire Diaries, which I love. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus, what? I almost got so excited there. Sorry. And also, that's a major spoiler. I yeah. Spoiler alert. Oh, man, I didn't hear it. And now it's spoiled. Boo. Anyway, it's really not like that big of a deal on the show. <laughs> and our last vampire of mention, um, in the canon, apparently, Count Vlad Dracul was a notorious vampire who inspired the author Bram Stoker to create his famous character, Count Dracula. So, Count Dracula is a part of the Harry Potter universe. That's amazing. And also, if you haven't read Dracula, 10 out of 10 recommend it's a really good book <laughs> but if you're not used to reading like old literature it is a heavy read so just you could also just ca like catch count dracula on sesame street every morning <laughs> be counting he has a number of the day <laughs> one two three ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that was a spot-on impression and now i'm starting to wonder if marianne has a job at sesame street now we're going to move into a werewolves. And at some point, I have been told that Marianne is going to make you cry. I don't know when it's coming, so we're going to keep you on your toes here. Oh, man. So, I know. I'm, like, kind of scared. So the most prominent werewolves in the story are Baytown, Remus Lupin, and not Baytown, Fenrir, Greyback. So werewolves hold, like, a weird status, in my opinion, because while in human form, they are considered a magical being... But while in wolf form, they are considered a magical beast. So I just have <laughs> questions. But like, why aren't they just considered human when they're human? Like, like literally. I don't know. For, like, I don't know what to tell you here. Like, if Fen, it, let's not even talk about Fender Greyback because he's weird and. I, I'm unfortunately going to have to use Remus Lupin because he's the only other, like, werewolf we know predom pre predominantly. But Remus Lupin, if in his human form, did something criminal, who do you send after that? The Department oh. of Magical Law Enforcement. Mm. Except, right? no, no, because he's a being, so it's the Department for Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. This structure, I can't. I don't like say But, like, 
okay, again, not considering Fenrir Greyback because he's a weirdo. Yeah. But like most other werewolves are literally just witches and wizards or people or humans. Just I mean, like, look at Bill Weasley. He's not a werewolf per se, but he has like wolfish tendencies, quote unquote. So, like, what's going on with him? I just have questions. This is dumb. And it's like werewolves are also children. Like, so what? Like, if a child does something wrong, like, now all of a sudden, like, I don't know, man. I've got issues. Anyways, we're going to move on because we could have this conversation forever. So traditionally, they're just like outcasts of wizarding society because clearly there is like a lot of prejudice and malice that the wizarding community just wants to spread around the globe. But Mm -hmm. muggles. okay, so let's let's get into it. Muggles that are bitten succumb to their injuries, but it's witches and wizards who survive to go on and become werewolves. If bitten during the full moon while the werewolf is in wolf form. So it's like there's a lot of boxes to check here. But hold on because, girl, it's about to get weirder. And I have, like, serious (laughs) questions. And I can't wait to tell you guys about it. Okay. So it just, like, to me, it's another, like, chicken or the egg. Like, Like, how did the first werewolf come about? If you have to be bitten by a werewolf to become a werewolf, then where did the first werewolf come from? And Uh, honestly, asking this question, honestly, just reminds me of applying for a job in 2020 because they're like, in order to apply and qualify for this job, you have to have experience in this field. But to have experience in this field, you need to have a job. And I'm just like, yep. I have questions. You can't see it, but I just did a whole dance of me asking questions. <laughs> In the Vampire Diaries. <laughs> the Vampire Diaries, they have a solution to that chicken egg situation. I don't I don't remember it, but don't spoil it for the I'm people. Not, I won't spoil it. That's such a huge Tell lore. Tell me later. <laughs> but okay, so also another thing that kind of just like eeks me is that they also use the word contamination to describe what occurs when someone suffers an injury. Okay, so when Bill's in the hospital, Lupin is literally, this is a quote. No, I do not think that Bill will be a true werewolf, but that does not mean that there won't be some contamination. And I feel like that is such a poor, poor word to be used. And I feel like it just contributes to setting up like the thought, like the school of thought, like where non-wizards are just less than actual wizards. Like think of the connotation that the word contamination has. Like it's not a nice word. Moving on. A werewolf code of conduct was developed in 1637, which werewolves were supposed to sign, promising not to attack anyone, but to lock themselves up securely every month. I'm assuming, obviously, that this was before the invention of Wolf's Bane Potion. Mm -hmm. Uh, But unsurprisingly, nobody signed the code because nobody was prepared to be like, yo, I'm a werewolf, Ministry of Magic. So, um... Basically, like, it was kind of just, like, fraught with problems from the start. But also, there was, like, a registry that the Ministry of Magic made where werewolves were supposed to go and register. But obviously, you're not going to want to register and then be treated like an outcast by your government. So, problematic. But (laughs) there was also, in the being division, there was a werewolf support services department set up. Uh, But there was also, like, a werewolf capture unit and a werewolf registry. So, like, in the Beast Division. So, it's just, like, like what kind of mixed signals are you sending me here? Like, Literally. offering me support services. 
literally like I I wrote it into our Google Doc. I just put problematic AF watermelon sugar sigh for any Harry Styles fans out there because I'm just like it it's exactly what she what Jenny says it it gives out mixed signals so it's like you're treated as a criminal in one division and then the other division you're like treated for help and it's not very even explained what you, those support services are mm-hmm. um though and- okay so i do want to give like another like i guess because they're also so uncontrollable when they are in their werewolf form like very they can't control themselves like i understand like why there needed to be like a capture division like once they're loose like that's it they can literally wreak havoc and run amok like they're very dangerous but then why don't you just use the r's in the department of the magical law enforcement like there's or like the people that are in the magical accident committee like there's other it's just it's well i mean like would they be trained to know how to work with animals though because at that point a werewolf is an animal like all, honestly, guys, all I can hear is Alan Rickman as Severus Snape saying, well, an Anglo-Saxon <laughs> contraction. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> Sorry. I I don't know. I, I, I'm personally just get really upset about this because it just causes a lot of confusion to me. And I can only imagine one paperwork to just like where the boundaries kind of like fall upon each other. Um I, I don't know, like, I, in the end, like, I, I know werewolf registry, and this is the reason why I think I find it so, like, even worse than what I thought it was before, um, since we did talk about kind of, um, like, the themes of World War II, um, Mm -hmm. that are used throughout, um, Harry Potter, this is another, like, one of those, uh, instances where, um, back in world war two like in germany like you had to register if you were like a jewish person and then you had to wear the star of david on you to inform your neighbors and your comrades or whatever that you were jewish and it just it it becomes problematic when you have all those prejudiced views happening like it just literally singles you out and puts you out there when that shouldn't be the case right so we have this werewolf registry where it's like we want to help you but you have to out yourself which like is already viewed as something like other than and non-wizards like ew like you are contaminated you are a half breed like all those other things that are considered like slurs just like making you feel like such an awful person and then register but we'll help you and then you're not even clear about how we're going to be helping you i mean it's no um it's obvious why it, this never really worked out, especially yeah. in the werewolf favor. Um, the werewolf support services, uh, they were actually barely used. So they ended up, uh, because of the stigma, as we mentioned, so they cl- ended up closing it. Um, so it's like, what use was it for? However, um, Kingsley Shacklebolt apparently had the werewolf support services reopened in memory of his deceased friend, Remus Lupin. Um, in order to help witches and wizards who struggled in the same manner. Um, so I yeah, so I have some hope that he used that a little bit better. Like the structure kind of worked out a little yeah. bit easier. And maybe with the work that Hermione did um, well, within yeah. that department. And then becoming minister, she might have 
We also have to think of like the reframing that could have occurred after the invention of the Wolfsbane potion. Because Mm -hmm. after that, like I really wouldn't see like if the government just provided the Wolfsbane potion, anybody could come and pick it up at the werewolf support services for every month or whatever, then there wouldn't really be like the necessity for a capture control unit or whatever it was called. So... Well, this is during Wolfsbane. Wolfsbane was already created by the time the canon books happened. I'm saying, like, beforehand, like, we don't know when... When it was created, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, the yeah. the capture unit, the world the thing capture is, unit, like, I'm saying after the invention of that potion, it could have been. And the thing is, like, I think, like, maybe not originally, because I feel like originally there was, like, the stigma and, like, the whole, like, you know, they're contaminated, we need to keep them separate from society, um especially before wolf spain they're considered very dangerous or whatever so i understand like the separating aspect of it but i feel like when kingsley shacklebo like brought it back i hope that it was brought back with like that intention of really helping werewolves and the and the fact that like they need that support where like they need to be able to find a job that is understanding of them being incapacitated for like a whole week or i'm about to cry like can you imagine just like walking into like the support services building and there's like a huge picture of like remus lupin there's like a description of all the good he did and what a good person he was I just also want to pick at your brains a little bit. Um, it's never really mentioned how Wolfsbane potion is contri- like distributed, but if we know that there's a huge prejudice on werewolves and keeping their identities a secret um, in fear of what people would think about them, then there's you could probably make the assumption that they can't just go into a potion shop and buy Wolfsbane. They would either have to get the ingredients and make it themselves, um, which I'm sure it's very difficult, um, even if the uh, ingredients are easy to get. Um, God forbid you're even bad at potions because like, doesn't like I went to school and I wasn't good at all my subjects. So it's probably very similar to anybody who went to Hogwarts and they were probably not good at potions, but if they're a werewolf. So imagine all these people, the one thing that can help you, you might not be able to get easily and, um, just like and it's just it's it it might not be easy to get the ingredients distribute them like you might be looked down upon so this is where like maybe like the the um the registry could be helpful in a sense so the registry like werewolves could find a way to register but the registry wouldn't be public it mm-hmm. would just be for use of the werewolf support services. And then the werewolf <laughs> support services can almost be like an Amazon distribution center where they send owls out to all these people. And like there's owls flying to wizard yeah. houses all the time. You don't know where those owls are from or yeah. what they're doing. So they could just be delivering like their general mail. So I think that's, that's what, what I was, what that's what I was getting happen. at with like the Kingsley stuff is like when he did reopen support services, like that was my whole idea. Like maybe they use Lupin and like his award. He was, what was it? What's the award called? He was the first ever werewolf to be awarded. Oh, I don't remember. That was in our, our Marauders episode. Merlin's um, Mer- isn't it something with Merlin or something or, or the yeah. order of Merlin first class. Duh. Anyway, so he was the first werewolf to be awarded that, and it was obviously posthumously awarded. But mm-hmm. maybe, like, I'm just in a, an ideal world. I feel like that moment in time, and after that, it was just, like, kind of like a pivot 
for more in the right direction leadership right in the right direction and once the stigma had been tackled and dealt with it would be like a totally normal thing that they could just go and register and they would have a you know support services building or whatever department and it would just be totally chill and the werewolf registry would not be under beast division because that is wrongful that should just be under the being division if we're gonna have werewolves. i just want to abolish the divisions okay like i'm just over it (laughs) but if we have to then don't put it in the beast yes okay so anyways i really want to get to this cool story because this was my favorite thing that I found while researching because I have so many questions but this is like legit like from she who must not be named herself okay as if not as if none of our stuff is <laughs> but like legitimately like even the signature was on it on the wizarding world you can go and look at it it's it's lit so here's a cool story one curious feature of the condition is that if two werewolves meet and mate at the full moon a highly unlikely contingency, which is known to have occurred only twice. Wow. The results of the mating will be wolf cubs, which oh. resemble true wolves in everything except their abnormal, abnormally large, or I'm sorry, high intelligence. They are not more aggressive than normal wolves and do not single out humans for attack. Mm -hmm. Such a litter was once set free under conditions of extreme secrecy in the Forbidden Forest at Hogwarts with the kind permission of Albus Mm -hmm. Dumbledore. The Mm -hmm. cubs grew into beautiful and unusually intelligent wolves, and some of them live there still, which has given rise to the stories about werewolves in the forest. Yeah, you meet meet those cubs in Hogwarts Mystery, the game. I really don't even care about that. What I care the most about is that the two werewolves came together, as we know, at the full moon to mate. But, like, after the full moon, you turn back into a person. So, like, how did the pregnancy happen? Like, does the female just get stuck in wolf form? Do they have, like, the ability to control themselves and not, like, do they just inherently know that they have now been impregnated so they do not return to their human form to carry out the gestation of the pups? (gasps) I, like, that is what I had questions about. I was like, how is this a thing? Like... Because, like, well, literally, like, once the sun comes up, like, they're supposed to exactly. be... Exactly. They're supposed to be human <gasps> again. So does she just live out, like, a human pregnancy? And then, like, at some point, like... Just give birth to like, puppies? Give birth to puppies? Mm-hmm. Like, did she stay in wolf form and give birth to the litter? Did she stay pregnant in human form? And then at the next full moon after the gestation period had been complete, did she just then give birth to the litter? Like, that was immediately, I was like, I need to know about the birthing process. Can you I, tell that we are animal people, that we <laughs> analyze all I of the animalistic like, traits mm, of these beings? Like, and I'm like, here how? just like, you get to meet them in the Harvard. <laughs> yeah, I was game. like, I was like, Marianne, I don't even care. She was like, girl, what? Like, I met them. I met them. but that was my question and i feel like i'm never gonna have an answer but it's like you'll never have an answer what a thinker like how did it happen amazing wow wow we have been on a journey guys we have been on a philosophical journey philosophical (laughs) the whole night (laughs) everything how are these puppies born? I need to know. That's anatomical. <laughs> How they were anatomically. We were on an anatomical born. journey for a portion of the night. Like it is a political just, one. Yeah, a political journey. We went on a physiological Ethnic. journey. I just need 
to know. Wow. Anyways, final thoughts, ladies, on our magical beings. Uh, final thoughts. The Ministry of Magic is trash. Yes. Abolish the departments of magical creature segregation. That's it. Those not what it's called, but yes, that's basically the <laughs> That's what it is, bro. I'm just using the facts. Yeah, and especially, I guess, like, my final thought would be if these creatures are intelligent enough to uphold laws, then they should be a part of creating their laws. Done. Final, final thoughts. How are the puppies born? <laughs> We didn't even get to my final thoughts. How rude. Go. Anyways, my final thoughts are I want to write a fan fiction about merpeople and centaurs. That's Hell. all. That's all. Besides, th they've mentioned everything else. So my, that's just my one important thing. And Velas are cool. And that's all for today, kids. Remember to follow us on social media because it's fun. Instagram at the three broom jigs. You can also follow us at the Twitter at the number three broom chicks. And go like our Facebook page, the three broom chicks. And make sure to catch us next time as we continue to part three of our creatures of the lost story arc with the magical beasts. Thank you, Marianne. I mean, soundboard. <laughs> Out of me. And as always, we are the three broom chicks. And mer people and centaurs are in love. <laughs> <laughs>